Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Call 702-365-9200. More importantly, would you be in favor of it? Would you be okay with the Raiders saying, you know what? Uh, we feel that I'm just going to throw Trey Lance's name out there. Uh, I don't have any inside information, full disclosure. Nobody's going to give the beat writer uh, that kind of information right now, um, or anybody for that matter, on, on, on who they're really interested in. All right, so, but let's just, let's just say that Trey Lance is a guy that the Raiders are seriously falling for right now, so much so that they may actually trade up to go get him maybe develop him for a year or so, uh, and then hand him the reins uh, eventually, and probably sooner rather than later. Would you be willing, as Raider Nation, to say, okay, not going to get the defensive playmaker uh, this year. Um, we're probably going to wait on offensive tackle uh, in the second round. Um, maybe, you know, uh, safety in the third round, something along, some kind of combination of that. Uh, but that first-round pick, we're going to go with the guy that's not going to pay dividends initially. We're going to go with the guy that's going to be the long-range quarterback of this team. Are you interested in doing that? Are you um, okay with doing that more than anything? Because trading a first-round pick or you know, swapping first-round picks this year, which you would obviously have to do, and giving up a, a first-round pick next year uh, means, you know, under the understanding that not going to get the impact player necessarily this year. It's going to be a delayed reaction, but you might end up with the quarterback of the future. And, uh, you know, by all accounts, Trey Lance is uh, the real deal. He might not be ready right now, but he's really blown some people uh, out of the water in terms of his intelligence, his ability, uh, and er everything else. So are you interested, Raider Nation, in doing something along those lines? We're going to go right out to the Raider Nation listener line because in addition to talking about smoke screens or are the Raiders infatuated uh, with the young quarterback from North Dakota State, we also are conducting our first annual Raider Nation radio in the huddle mock draft. It won't be the last. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, we're going to have uh, another one leading up to the draft next week. Uh, but first up, and when you call today, uh, I want your first three picks of the draft. If you want to trade up, go for it. Uh, let's just assume that uh, to trade up, they're going to have to give up their 17th pick this year, a first-round pick next year, and their fourth-round pick uh, this year. So all three, you'll still have three picks to make, a first-rounder, a second-rounder, uh, and actually two third-rounders. So four picks that you can make through the first three rounds, including a trade up or a trade down if you want. Uh, Matt is up first. He's going to give us his Raiders mock draft. What you got, brother? Oh, well, uh, ideally, if we stay put at 17, I would really like to have Jenkins from Oklahoma State or Zayvon Collins. Um, I think both Jenkins would fill a big need where they can play tackle or guard, considering that the exodus that happened with our offensive line this year. Um, and he has a good chance to still be on the board. I think Collins might be the steal of the first round if we can't get Parsons. Um, he's a very, very productive player. Um, he's height, weight, speed monster, and he just seems to be in the right place at the right time. And he makes plays. There's a lot, a lot of people on the Raiders' defense that uh, have done lately. He gets turnovers. He seems to be just be that guy, which can make a big difference immediately. 
Um, in the second round, if we would go either with the tackle or linebacker, I'd like to take a safety and try and store up that back seven and maybe take a Javon Holland or a Richie Grant. Um, those guys would be immediate starters. And then uh, with Abram going to more of like a box safety role, we can get a, a guy who can play free and then maybe slot corner. Uh, maybe in, and then in the third round, uh, if they would go Collins in the first, I would want to take Spencer Brown from UNI. Uh, to play tackle, I think he's an underrated player because he went to a smaller school with Northern Iowa. I think he's 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 very big. He has a lot of talent. Uh, he's pretty athletic for his size. Um, I think that he could be an immediate impact player for the Raiders. And then uh, with the next pick after that, I think Milton Williams, the defensive tackle from uh, Louisiana Tech, would be a good fit. He's a crazy athlete. I think he was 285 pounds, but. Uh, he had a four six one. He had almost a forty inch vertical. Um, he can squat six hundred fifty pounds. He's fast. He's quick. And if those guys are off the board, maybe Paulson Adebo from Stanford. He's a nice scheme fit with um, with the cover three, the big long corners, and um, his local guy. I think that would be an ideal. Those prospects for the Raiders would be a nice fit. I like it, Matt. Uh, I really like it. And what I like most about it is that you did your homework, man. Uh, uh, good, good for you, and good on you uh, for for digging into it and uh, and and you know watching the film and um, taking a look at the information and uh, and and really bringing some good information uh, to the table. Uh, truly appreciate that. But Matt, let me ask you. Um, you know, we saw some uh, reports today. I I I tend to think. It's not going to happen. I don't think that. Uh, not to say that the Raiders don't like um, some of the, uh, you know, the, the quarterbacks in this draft. How could you not like uh, some of these quarterbacks? But I don't think that they're thinking that far down the road uh, just yet. But if they were, would you? Uh, what, 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 what's your thoughts about the possibility, even if it means just staying at seventeen or trading up uh, a little bit to go get a Trey Lance uh, from North Dakota State? Well, yeah. For the record, I don't think it's going to happen either. The whole there's always been rumors about. Gruden, his favorite quarterback being the next one, and he's had many opportunities to take a quarterback, whether it had been Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke or uh, guys like that in all the years past, and he says, I think he actually likes Carr, but if we were to move off, um, I don't know if Trey Lance would be the the ideal quarterback for the Raiders. I don't think he's ready today. And uh, it's kind of like a lame duck year for Carr, unless we could trade Carr for a high pick. So basically, be a swap. Um, but if we if they could take if Fields slides to about eight, or I don't see how Denver would pass on Fields if he got to nine. So we'd have to trade up to around eight or seven, and even Detroit with I don't know if Goff's the long term uh, quarterback for them, so they could take a quarterback. I think. Um, I would rat. I think the price would be too much to move up to get one of those to feed the fields or uh, Trey Lance. Um, I think they should just stay put where they are. I think Carr is undervalued as a quarterback. I think he's a top twelve quarterback, maybe even top ten, which is really hard hard to find. I mean, ask some of these teams who have been in quarterback purgatory for thirty years. Yeah. I think we no doubt about it. No doubt about it, Uh, Matt. I really appreciate it, and yeah, no doubt about it. I don't think that um, Trey Lance would be the quarterback of the right now. I think there would be an understanding of that, Um, and I think that you know uh, Derek Carr would 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 if in this scenario, which I'm very dubious about, but just to play along with it, uh, we're on the radio. Why not have some fun with it? Um, If they in the in the draft Trey Lance scenario. uh, 
Uh, Derek Carr obviously sticks around in 2021. He has one more year left on his contract after that uh, at a very favorable price. So if they went down that road, um, you know, you get Trey Lance ready this year for next year. You move on from Derek Carr um, with one year left on his contract. He might be a very favorable um, you know, trade trip, trip for somebody else. So uh, that's how that would work. Um, I, I don't think they're going to sacrifice this year in terms of giving it to a rookie quarterback. I think Derek Carr stays on the scene at least for one more uh, year. Appreciate the call, Matt, and really like the insight. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line, Raider T. Uh, hopefully has his mock uh, ready to go. Raider T, how you doing, man? Good. How you doing? Happy Friday, my friend. Likewise, likewise. Hey. So I've been going back and forth on this draft, so I'll tell you about that in a second. But um, I would not trade up for one of the quarterbacks. Um, I know that um, Trey Lance has a lot of the nice measurables, but there's there's another stat out there talking about quarterbacks that only have a certain amount of starting experience and their success rate, and it's pretty low. So I wouldn't I wouldn't roll the dice on that. I'm happy with Carr. I'd rather um, put some uh, supporting position around him. So. But um, in terms of me, in terms of what I see potentially what I'd like to see happen, um, first off in the first round, um, I'd like to take either Dershaw if he slides to us, which I know is a long shot, or uh, Jenkins from Oklahoma State. So get that right tackle to protect uh, Carr. Second round, I'd like to get Richie Grant um, from UCF to play free safety force. It, I think that's a long shot based on all the simulations I've seen. I don't know if he's going to fall to us. So if he doesn't fall to us, uh, then I think I'd like to get a coverage linebacker out of LSU, Jabril Cox, who's some pretty good stuff written up about him. Then in the third round, we can get our safety. We can get um, Cisco from Syracuse. Um, mm-hmm. And if we um, – or actually, um, I think uh, what I've seen, I think Jabril Cox would be still available in the third round. Um, so Cox and um, Cisco in the third round. And um, I forget his name, but there's a, a defensive tackle, undersized three technique out of Iowa, who's got a lot of hype around him. I wouldn't mind taking him in the second round um, to really shore up the defense. So it would be all defense except for the right tackle position to protect Carr. Right, uh, absolutely. Um, sound thinking, uh, there's, there's no question uh, about that. And, you know, I know that the Raiders um, put a lot of money um, and, and resources into the defensive line this year. Uh, and so some people would say, well, why would you give, you know, uh, draft another defensive lineman, especially an interior defensive lineman? They signed, you know, a slew of them um, uh, during free agency. But if you look at all the, the dynamics of all those contracts, they're all one-year contracts. Uh, so there's going to be some openings next year. There's a lot of players that are on uh, auditions this year, the one-year audition, uh, trying to, you know, work their way into a bigger contract, whether it's here in Las Vegas or elsewhere. But chances are you're going to lose some of those players next year. So it's incumbent on the Raiders. Uh, and I answered this question in the mailbag that's, that's running in the Las Vegas Review-Journal tomorrow. Uh, linebacker, defensive line, even though they appear set at those positions, Nicholas Morrow is on a one-year deal. A bunch of those defensive linemen are on one-year deals. So they have to start thinking about the future uh, in addition to, you know, um, uh, right now. Like, even if it's a development player in that third round at defensive line, or even linebacker for that matter, uh, it, it, to have them ready if they are called upon this year or more likely if they are needed next year and you've got a year under your belt. That's kind of where the Raiders need to get to anyway. Uh, you don't want to be in a position where you have to play your third rounder right now, you know, 
or your the you know and and or and and uh, all your third rounders like have to play right now. Yeah, you would like to get them on the field. Yes, um, if they if they just came in and were standouts and studs in training camp and started winning jobs and beating people out, of course, that's a whole different story. But when you kind of have to play guys because your roster just isn't a good isn't in a, a strong enough position, um, you know, to to take that time to develop them, that's not where you want to be. Sometimes you're going to have to be in that position just because of the dynamics of of uh, of, of, of the salary cap. Uh, but I like your thinking because some of those guys that you're mentioning are guys that are going to be long-range guys, not short-term guys, and guys that you're you're okay with that because you have coverage for this year. So that's kind of where you want to get as a as an organization and as a roster. Hey, Vinny, one more thing for you. Yeah, go for it. Hey, so um, I heard you guys talking the other day about Micah Parsons sliding to us, which um, I definitely would be tempted to do. The problem with that is. On all the simulations I've seen, if we go with a playmaker like either him or JOK out of Notre Dame, the problem is in the second round, all the plug-and-play right tackles that we could potentially have are pretty much gone. You're stuck with the guys like Spencer Brown, who's got a lot of ability, and um, some of these other guys that have the height, weight, but don't have the experience. They played at small schools, or maybe they're a little light, not quite ready for the NFL game. So the problem with going with one of those guys, is I don't think we're going to pick up a, a plug-and-play right tackle in the second round. But um, what I have seen, though, is if Micah Parsons comes to us, if he slides to us, there's going to be a slew of teams that's almost like trading up at the top of the draft to get the quarterback you want, that there's going to be a slew of teams that are going to try and trade with us to get him. So if we can slide down to 21, 22, 23, somewhere in that range, Based on where Tevin Jenkins is set to go, we could probably not only pick up Tevin Jenkins, we'd probably pick up a second-round pick that would probably guarantee us being able to get Richie Grant in the second in the second round, which would be great, either if we, with that other team second round or if we package the two to move up to the top of the second round, because um, that would be ecstatic. If we could end up with one of the plug-and-play right tackles and one of the top two safeties, whether it's Mooring or... Uh, Grant, I think that the draft's a home run from that point on. Yeah, uh, I agree with you, and uh, I do think there are still some some tackles that'll be there uh, at that forty eight spot. Um, you know that that can still you know be be plug and play guys. Um, you know, uh, I, I, Brown from from Northern Iowa really intrigues me. Uh, Little from um, from Stanford, I think would still has a chance to still be there. Uh, at, at number forty-eight, uh, there's the uh, Christensen um, from uh, from Christensen, BYU yeah. that I think will be there in the second round. So, uh, if and, and I guess what I'm saying is, if somebody like Michael Parsons and, and I literally just did a mock draft today uh, with my good friends over at the Los Angeles Times, and I had to wait, you know, I was picking for the Raiders, and I had to wait for everything to unfold ahead of me, and it was the beat writers of all the teams, you know, ahead of the uh, ahead of the Raiders, and that's or, uh, that's kind of how the this mock draft was working and I kept waiting and waiting and waiting for Parsons to go, to go, to go, to go, to go at 17. He was still there. And these are guys that, um, and women, uh, who cover their teams on a daily basis that have a little bit of insight, you know, on, on what might be going on and what their team's needs are, uh, and that type of thing. And it was kind of interesting to me, uh, you know, uh, that, that the beat writers of all the teams drafted the 16 teams drafting ahead of the Raiders, uh, didn't draft Michael Parsons. So he was sitting there at 17, and I was like, okay, uh, t- taking Michael Parsons, 
for the Raiders. I think that that would be a very you know ideal uh, kind of a kind of a situation um, for, for the Raiders because I really believe that they do need that defensive standout, that defensive playmaker. However, if they you know opt to go quarterback or trade up to go quarterback, uh, you know do yourself a favor, go watch some Trey Lance because. The guy is really good, and and you know these reports are coming out that he's like the smartest guy, one of the smartest guys in the draft, if not the smartest guy in the draft, based on you know all the kind of the data that's out there and the uh, um, the feedback that uh, that that's coming out in talks with him. So uh, the guy can really play. He's definitely an, an intriguing prospect. I just don't know if the Raiders at this point can afford to to to, to you know not seize on a player that's going to be able to help right now and help this year uh, with that 17th pick or, or even in that trade-up um, scenario. But if you're thinking long range, it doesn't make, it does make, I should say, a lot of sense uh, to go, you know, if there's an opportunity to get, go get somebody that you think is just an outstanding quarterback and somebody that's going to be able to be your quarterback for, for the next decade or so, you almost have to do it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Keep the calls coming. I want to do the mock draft with the Raiders, first three rounds. And obviously, let's talk about that report today that the Raiders might be interested in a certain quarterback and maybe even trading up to go get him. We'll talk about it on the other side. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Hey, just a quick heads up. Uh, Cinco de Mayo is right around the corner. Who doesn't love Cinco de Mayo? Uh, And uh, in conjunction with Cinco de Mayo, and Tequila Embajador, uh, grand opening uh, of the Amnesia Beach Club. Uh, it's at Mi- Mansion 54 uh, here in Las Vegas. They're throwing an all-day beach party, um, Cinco de Mayo uh, beach party, uh, over at the uh, at Mansion 54. A lot of history uh, over at that building in Las Vegas, uh, and it's going to be uh, going off on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. DJ Chuck Murdoch, 10 surprise guest DJs. It's going on until 10 p.m. Uh, on, on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. For ticketing and cabana information, anytime you hear cabana, you know it's uh, popping. Uh, give us a call, or call, 702-381-3066. Cinco de Mayo, grand opening of Amnesia Beach Club at Mansion 54. Uh, Tequila Embajador putting this party on. Uh, go check it out. Uh, give them a call, 702-381-3066 uh, for ticketing and cabana information. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to I think I'm gonna check that one out. Um, so I am uh, planning on being there. Uh, if you're in town or a local, come on down. Uh, make that call, and, uh, and uh, I'll see you guys over there, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, uh, great, a great day, uh, especially growing up in Southern California. Are you kidding me, Cinco de Mayo? Yeah, uh, I'm all about that. Um, so we're back, uh, Vinny Monsignor in the huddle, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're talking about uh, the Raiders draft. Uh, hello. Um, we're less than six days away uh, from the draft. Uh, if you didn't know, and how could you not know, it's all anybody's been talking about 
uh, in the football world for a, a good month now, or at least ever since you know free agency wrapped up, and now we're turning our attention to the draft. Well, it's here. It's here, and there's all kinds of information out there. There's all kinds of speculation out there. There's all kinds of directions that the Raiders uh, could go in, uh, whether that's standing pat, addressing uh, the right tackle position at 17 and the safety position at 48, and then going best player available at a slew of positions beyond that in the third and fourth and fifth round and sixth and seventh for that matter. Or do you trade back? Um, are you interested in trading back? Maybe still getting one of those tackles picking up some extra picks, or do you hope that Michael Parsons uh, falls to you at 17? Are you interested at number 17 in kicking the uh, tackle can down the road a little bit, uh, maybe to the second or third round, and going best player available defensively uh, at number 17? you interested in trading up for a guy like Michael Parsons, or as Ian Rappaport today from NFL Network suggested – uh, the Raiders have very conspicuously done a lot of homework on the quarterback position in this draft. There's five big-time quarterbacks in this draft. It seems like they have an idea of where those quarterbacks are going to go, kind of the range that they're going to go in. But might there be a guy that they think might go seven or eight-ish, start to fall a little bit? And would they be interested after talking to, I'll just throw the name out there, Trey Lance from North Dakota State um, in recent days and very conspicuously talking to uh, Mr. Lance, are the Raiders thinking about perhaps moving up to secure a player they think might be their quarterback of the future? Uh, in, in that scenario, obviously, and we're, we're talking about this, uh, it would mean not having that impact player first rounder this year because obviously this is still Derek Carr's team and will be uh, and you just make the best of it with him and whoever they pick up in the uh, remaining picks of this draft and and roll with it this year uh, while young Mr. Lance or whoever that quarterback might be is waiting in the wings interesting 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 or maybe it's just a um uh, a big smoke screen. We'll see. I'm uh, going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line, and Ryan is – oh, excuse me. Uh, we're not going to talk to Eric first. I, I got gotcha. you. Uh, doing the show remotely due to COVID-19 still uh, could throw a curveball here and there. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a very good friend of mine uh, from Los Angeles. He covers USC for the Los Angeles Times. I've uh, known him for – a while now, the pride of the University of Michigan and the state of Michigan uh, entirely. Let's just throw that out there, of course. Uh, and uh, we're going to go talk to Ryan Cartsey from the Los Angeles Times, a good friend of mine. Ryan, long time no talk. Thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I, that's uh, I've, I've never been considered a distinguished citizen of, of Michigan before, so uh, I'm honored. Well, there's not that many, Ryan, so no, I'm just kidding. Of course <laughs> you are. <laughs> of course you are. Um, so, you know, you cover USC and never a dull day uh, <laughs> with the Trojans. No. Now. Is there? Is really there, not. Ryan? I mean, I just, what is it? Cheerleader fiasco now? I mean, it, it's endless. It's just like this nonstop, scandalous storyline that's coming out of USC. What just, can you brief us a little bit on the, on the whole USC uh, cheerleader fiasco? Yep. So 
basically, uh, first off, the song girls are, you know, a, a prestigious dance team. They, they yes. prefer they're not, to not be called cheerleaders, but they, you know, do dance with pom-poms at athletic events, at donor events, you know, are basically seen as ambassadors for the university. And obviously, you know, they're young, attractive women for the most part. And uh, that within that team, um, over the last several decades, uh, the coach of the team, Lori Nelson, uh, who had been there you know, since 1987, um, there had long been rumors kind of about her handling of the program, but uh, in a story we just published yesterday, uh, 10 former song girls spoke to me just about emotional abuse that they, they took on during the course of their time with the song girls. Uh, there were eating disorders, anxiety, depression, uh, just general body image issues overall, and you know, a lot of these women were, were brave enough to kind of come forward and, and share things that, you know, a lot of, a lot of, has basically been buried for, for years and years, uh, and, and no one was willing to talk about. So, you know, all the credit goes out to them for just kind of speaking out about this. And a Title IX investigation was launched, you know, last November, and she actually resigned shortly after, thereafter. But lots of questions just in general about the place for a, a, a dance group like this and, of how you move forward from a scandal that clearly lasted many years. Yeah, and uh, you know, having worked in Los Angeles and lived in Southern California, uh, USC is very, very—it's uh, iconic and it's meaningful. Um, and you know, you're always running into USC grads, whatever industry you're working in, um, and it's just there's a sense of pride for USC. But of late, um, there's just been this steady stream of just bad news man and scandals uh on uh, on top of just the bad news and it's it's you wonder where it's going to end and you just hope it does but it just seems like uh you're bracing for something bad uh almost almost uh at all <laughs> times so uh we'll move on to some 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 better news uh, uh no doubt about it uh and the draft is coming up obviously and USC being the football powerhouse uh, that that it always is, even in down years. There's always going to be tremendous talent coming off of uh, the Trojan roster, uh, and this year is, is no different. It might not be the headline uh, talent that it has been uh, in the past, but some some really good players uh, in this draft class, and in particular, and in particular of interest for the Raiders, who are in need of a offensive lineman, Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, and I wanted to bring Ryan on because uh, I know he's obviously followed uh, Elijah's career um, covering USC as he does for the Los Angeles Times. Uh, looking at his his uh, his background, Ryan, um, obviously more of an interior offensive lineman throughout his career at USC, but kicked out to left guard or left tackle last year, and by all accounts, um, accounted for himself really really well, and has put himself uh, into on the radar as a first round pick, either as a guy that could play the interior or perhaps even uh, at tackle. Your thoughts on Elijah Vera Tucker and, you know, uh, if you could just talk about his development over the course of his career at USC. For sure. And, you know, like you said, he, he played mostly guard uh, heading into last season. I know at the high school level, uh, you know, he was a four-star recruit as a left tackle. So it's not as if he didn't have any of that experience before, but he kicked into guard when he, he came to USC and eventually earned the starting spot and really very quickly became one of the most dependable offensive linemen on that line. And uh, that's not really something you say much about USC's offensive line. So he, uh, he had quite the distinction in that regard. And it was pretty clear when he decided that he was going to come back to 
USC for uh, another year, and he wasn't going to opt out of this past season. That you know, there was no better candidate to take on that left tackle spot. And you know, really, I, th- I think he exceeded expectations certainly more than anyone would have expected. I know, uh, you know, they, there weren't really any left tackles on the roster, so he was almost the only option. But he was easily their best offensive lineman again, and. I would argue until the very last game of the season against Oregon when he matched up quite a bit with Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, who, uh, as I'm sure you know, will probably be a top-five pick uh, in the 2022 draft. Um, Until then, he really hadn't allowed much pressure on the quarterback the entire season. I mean, he was one of the most consistent uh, linemen in college football last year. But he was sort of brutalized in that game against Thibodeau. Now, granted, he had a little bit of an injury he was battling before that game, so you could put it some on that, but uh, I guess you could, if there are any questions, you look at that and think, well, this is a, a top superstar defensive end. Like, is this how it's going to be when he's you know, handling the likes of, you know, a, a top AFC West pass rusher? I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, at this point, the, the I think he's probably destined for an interior spot, but I'm sure as he showed last year, he can certainly move out to left tackle in a pinch if needed. And with the Raiders, you know, uh, Colton Miller uh, is is their left tackle. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, do you think that it would be a little bit easier um, if you're projecting him at tackle that he, it would be at right tackle rather than left tackle if, if he had to kick out to uh, tackle in the NFL with the Raiders? I would say so, too, mostly because especially his, his arm length, I know that's kind of the concern with him shooting out to tackle. Uh but, yeah, I mean, at right tackle, I think he would be a fit. But it'll, it'll be interesting. I think the team that picks him, I think it would be smartest if they were trying to find an interior lineman who just happened to have the ability to play tackle versus looking for an option at tackle who could kick into guard. I think he'll probably be a little bit more satisfied. But that said, like I said, he, he's never given me any reason to think he, he wouldn't be a very consistent lineman, even at the next level. Talking to Ryan Kartsky, Kartsky uh, you can follow him at Ryan underscore uh, Kartsky, K-A-R-T-J-E. Um, in terms of uh, the other prospects uh, for the Raiders, or excuse me, for USC, and, and one that's real conspicuous to me is, there's, is USC's safety, uh, Talanoa Hafanga. Am I pronouncing yep. that right? Okay. Um, and, and, you know, he's a safety. In your estimation, uh, more free safety, strong safety, is it a guy that um, you feel like uh, can play either position? And where would you feel he is in the development stage at this point? Well, in terms of you know understanding the mental side of the game, you're not going to find many better safeties in this draft. I, I do think, and I know USC Safety's coach said this week that he's been getting a lot of calls uh, of people just sort of complimenting uh, Talanoa's leadership, just his sort of intelligence on the field. And having watched in the last couple of years, that, that is abundantly clear. He has that in spades for sure. The questions for him, I'm not sure he would fit as well in a system that used a, very specifically used him as a free safety. Uh, his foot speed isn't really something that's going to set him apart. But, you know, I hate to make this comparison, but he's kind of more like a Troy Polamalu-esque safety and that he'll play in the box he can actually he spent an entire game for usc last year as their middle linebacker and actually took over the game at that spot so uh he's capable of doing that i've seen him rush sort of off the edge like an edge rusher um and then he can kind of play 
playback in, in man on a tight end or even just in, in zone kind of as a, a slightly deeper safety. Now, I wouldn't put him, like I said, strictly at the free safety spot, but you know, he, he won Pac-12 player of the year, defensive player of the year last year for a reason. Now, I think the worries and the reasons why he'll fall probably somewhere between the third and the seventh round is just he did have several injuries on his shoulder. Uh, now, he has said he's healed from that and is fine. Coaches have said he has. Uh, but he does have a history of injuries. And like I said, his foot speed isn't necessarily the quickest. But, you know, this guy, I hate to use the cliche, but this guy's just a football player. I mean, he has the intelligence that I'm sure would really help the Raiders out. And, uh, you know, he's a hard hitter. And I know he kind of took the unconventional route this offseason of instead of training at some big facility, he actually trained one-on-one with Troy Polamalu. So he's got a direct education from him this offseason, kind of preparing for the draft. And I know he's had him, you know, reading books and kind of changing him mentally uh, to prepare himself for the NFL. So, you know, that seems like something that would be pretty appealing to John Gruden. I don't know about you. Uh, I do, uh, actually, yes. And uh, I'm going to take my chances uh, uh, practicing with Troy. Uh, than going to uh, some factory in Orange County uh, that are going to put me through all these uh, agility tests and stuff like that. Just just get me the hands-on experience of Troy. I'll, I'll take my chances uh, after that uh, without question. I don't think the Raiders are in the market for a wide receiver, although uh, you know the, the guys that they brought in through free agency were are all on one-year deals, so that could always make things dicey, um, you know, long-range. So uh, I got my eye on Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, the f- name is mm-hmm. obviously familiar. Uh, his brother plays for the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think uh, the younger brother uh, projects as a better player and a higher draft pick. Um, can you talk about where he is right now? And did he live up to expectations uh, at USC? I know that they were really lofty coming in uh, uh, into college. You know, that's an interesting question. I, I hadn't actually really thought about it like that, but uh, – he was a very consistent player. I mean, we're talking about a guy who for three years, uh, I want to say had over 700 yards, you know, several touchdowns. He was always kind of among the leading USC receivers on the roster, even when he was a freshman. So he's certainly someone who has that talent. Uh, there's a lot of refinement kind of in his routes. And I think he kind of plays stronger than you would think just seeing him on the field. And I know he really wanted to be an outside receiver and I'm sure that's something he's worked a lot on too, but I always thought he might be most dangerous as a slot receiver. Um, just the way he was able to find space, uh, especially in zone defenses. And I think that's a guy who, you know, he played, he actually played a little bit of running back when USC uh, was really short on depth a, a little while back and did pretty well. I mean, he's a guy who's just a freak athlete and, uh, you know, his dad was a Mr. Olympian, uh, major weightlifter. So I know yes. uh, he's been working with him uh, over the course of the last several summers. And I, uh, I wouldn't doubt that he ends up carving out himself a role somewhere. I, I do wonder where he'll get picked in this draft. I think, you know, he's probably more like an early third round pick. It be generally the range that I would expect, but you know, it's always hard to tell with wide receivers. I know this is expected to be a really good class, so you know he may end up falling a little bit down the board. 
and that's not a bad thing. And it's, history has shown that uh, there's there's a lot of you're, and you're right. There's a lot of quality depth uh, in this year's wide receiver uh, group, and guys tend to figure out ways to get on the field early on, no matter where they're drafted. So uh, I wouldn't worry too much. Um, you know, where, if it's the second round or the, or that third round, I think he's got the talent. Uh, to get on the field pretty early, especially if he goes to a great situation. All right, last uh, scouting report uh, from you, uh, the Raiders. Defensive line, always an issue, uh, trying to create pass rush, trying to uh, uh, stop the run. Uh, I want to ask you about Marlon Tuipuloto. Uh, hopefully I am yep. uh, pronouncing that name correctly. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little a little a bit about Marlon. You know, there are two defensive tackle prospects who are going to be drafted in those middle rounds, uh, Jay Tufele and Marlon right. Tuipulotu. Uh, but I actually like Marlon better, uh, largely for the reason that over the course of last season, while it was only six games, um, he really showed that once he had a, a quality defensive line coach and had gotten into the right scheme, that you know he's a game-wrecking defensive tackle. And, you know, I, I can't quite, uh, you know, speak to his translation at the NFL level, but I, I have to imagine just the, the terror that he invoked last year, especially in the run game. Um, I just have to think that would translate to the NFL. I know he, he became a little bit more of an interior pass rusher. I know he said before he'd studied a lot of like top pass rushing defensive tackles, Aaron Donald among them. Um, you know, he, he was kind of a soft-spoken guy, and he really came into his own over the course of the last season. And I actually think just because there was such a small sample size, whoever is able to draft him, whether it's in, say, around the fourth round kind of range, middle round, um, I think they'll get a steal. I mean, I, I really think this guy could have been a second-round pick if he would have gotten a, maybe a little bit more uh, attention, especially down down the stretch last season, as people started to pay attention to USC, he slowed up a little bit. But that said, I, I still think he has a, a a good future in the NFL, and I actually think a lot of those mid round USC picks um, might actually turn out a little bit better than expected. And I know fans might suggest that that's because they didn't develop enough at USC, but uh, but yeah, I, I really do think Marlin, especially, he's kind of my sleeper among those guys who I think is a little bit better than his draft spot. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think somebody is going to get a steal, and, uh, and and I do think that the Raiders, um, he, he's 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 on the radar. Uh, I'll just put it that way. Uh, all right, Ryan, um, I can't let you get out of here without. There's a whole bunch of Raider fans who are also USC fans, uh, going back to the Southern California days. Um, it, it, it's been you know it's been a rough go uh, these last few <laughs> years, and there's two things that I want to ask you. One is you know when the Rams came back in 2016. Uh, we would always talk about and write stories about who would um, uh, suffer the not suffer the most, but who's going to get pushed down that you know a notch or so um, because this big brand, this big team, the NFL uh, is arriving in town in, in in the Los Angeles Rams, and and it could have been any number of entities, sports entities in in Los Angeles, uh, but the one that I worried about most was USC. When USC is rolling, um, it's, it's second to none. It's, it's almost the equivalent of a professional uh, sports team in Los Angeles. And when they are winning and, are, and they're exciting, it's foolproof no matter who's in town. They're going to draw their fans. Um, it's a hardcore group, and they're going to be out there uh, at the Coliseum and mass. But when they're not 
relevant and they're not doing so well, which they haven't been, um, that's, that's not good. And the double whammy being here's this elephant in the room with the NFL and the Los Angeles Rams kind of stealing some thunder. Where ha- has USC been hurt a little bit? Some of, the, some of it being their, their own doing, but also the NFL now uh, being in town. You know, I would say most of it uh, would be their own doing. And I think a lot of it mostly centers around uh, the university's uh, decision to keep Clay Helton. And it's no secret that Clay Helton has been on the hot seat, actually, since I started the job uh, with the Times. So I've never known Clay Helton to not be on the hot seat, personally. But, you know, at a certain point, the fans have gotten really upset with the fact that he's there and, you know, a lot of them, uh, it's kind of hard to measure just because we have the pandemic, so it's hard to know if people would have come this last year to football games. But uh, I think it's fair to say that that brand and just the, the pride in that brand is down a little bit. Now, I don't really think that has anything to do with the NFL, mostly because I, I think, and I know this is kind of postulated at the time when the NFL moved back to L.A., that you know, there is enough room for everyone. And sure, definitely. I do think just because they are sort of different products, they they draw a different fan base. College is always so insulated just because there is that sort of alumni base that, you know, has an allegiance to the team no matter what, uh, whereas NFL is a little different in that sense. Unless you're a long-suffering Lions fan like me, and you're just bound to them for eternity. But, uh, the yeah, I think that USC brand is still strong, and I, I think they have – made efforts to kind of change the feeling around the program a little bit just with the new athletic director and some of the things that they've done. But uh, as this scandal that I just started reporting on uh, kind of shows, there's, there's always an opportunity for them to shoot themselves in the foot, and they tend to take that opportunity. Absolutely. Well, uh, I, I kept you over time because uh, I wanted to, uh, I, I miss you guys and I miss you. So uh, thanks for spending uh, some extra time with us. He's the USC beat writer for the Los Angeles Times. He's also a backpacker, a burrito zealot. I could vouch for that for sure. Uh, a bachelor fantasy commissioner and definitely a Michigan man. Ryan Cartsey from the Los Angeles Times does a great job covering USC. Really appreciate you, brother. Uh, thank you so much. And I'll see you down the road. Great talking to you, Vinny. You too. You too. That's Ryan Kartsky from the Los Angeles Times. He covers USC football, uh, and I appreciate him spending some time with us and shedding some light on some USC Trojans that are get, get about ready to get drafted next week. And I don't care what the record is uh, for USC. They have always got some ball players. Uh, so uh, don't sleep uh, on some of these players that are coming out of USC in spite of the record of late. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. This traffic report is brought to you by your Southern Nevada Toyota dealers. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Right back to the Raider Nation list. Ryan Raider Dave is in Denver. Wants to give us his mock, I'm hoping. Hey there. What's going on, my man? Well, I'll tell you what. I don't think there's but one quarterback that would be worth moving up for in this draft, and everybody knows what his name is. I don't, and I don't know what the story was that came out. Um, I I missed it. I haven't heard it, and I'll tell you, whatever it is, it's got to be smoke and mirrors anyway. Everybody's going to try to wave uh, a flag up in the air, saying, "How much for my guy? How much for my guy?" and then see if they get any interest. 
Um, the fact is that if you can't pressure a quarterback, the back end's not going to have chances at interceptions. So the Raiders obviously believe in that, and they put together an off, a defensive line for a lot of competition. And I just think if they're moving up for anybody, it's got to be for Parsons. There's just no other way about it. Um, what? So you're not making anything of Trey Lance? No, no, I don't think. You know, Gruden's got five years left. Uh, can he find a quarterback that is uh, a championship-caliber quarterback out of the draft this year, uh, picking behind Lawrence? I don't think there's any way. I, I don't think there's any way with a, with a defense that's going to be 30th in the league last year and whatever in the league this year. There's no way within two years that a quarterback that's out of the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth quarterback coming off of this thing is going to be that kind of a transcending QB. So you got to go ahead and put it where it's going to get you more possessions. It's going to get you the fact that you're going to go ahead and make pressure on a quarterback and get turnovers so you have more possessions. And that's why I think this is just all smoke. I don't think there's anybody worth uh, trading up for in a quarterback position in this year's draft. All right, um, let's have it then. Uh, if you're ready, uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, um, but where are you going in uh, th- these first three rounds, if you have it ready? Well, I think that it's obviously going to be linebacker, tackle, and safety, but I don't think it's in that order. I think it's uh, a very full draft with tackles. I think that if the Raiders didn't believe in Parker and, and the other guy to go ahead and compete for that position, then, and believe also that there will be other guys cut that can help fill out and be a swing tackle as a depth person that is going to be cut off of other, uh, other cuts in the NFL for a third-string guy. I think getting a tackle in the third round is fine. I think getting a safety in the second round is fine. But I think moving up a little bit and not getting, uh, you know, you lose number one pick for next year, you're going to have to do something to get it back because the draft is in Vegas next year. <laughs> oh, good point. Good point. I don't think. Um, I well, I would hope that John Gruden's not thinking along those lines. Like, you know, can't trade up and trade that first round pick next year because of that. Um, and plus, you know, they don't want to be. Uh, they'd hate to be like in that top ten um, next year in the draft or anything like that. So, uh, well, but, exactly. But I, I hear exactly. you. Exactly. It, it, it's not impossible for them to go ahead and trade a fourth and a fifth this year and a second next year, something like that, to get to a number one in the following year. They're just going to have to be more creative. It's going to cost them more draft capital, but it's not impossible to go ahead and have an upper uh, first-round uh, first pick. I mean, it's, just, it's not impossible. But are you one person away right now? No. Is the defense one person away? Well, maybe. We don't know yet. We don't know what Bradley's got. So we'll see what happens. But certainly it's not going to happen for quarterback. I think it's all smoke. And I don't believe any of these quarterbacks that are coming in, uh, unless they went to a team with the best defense in the NFL, I don't give them a shot to make it to the NFC AFC Championship. Any one well, of them, except yeah. one. And I, I agree with you. I think it is smoke screens. Uh, Raider Dave, thank you so much for the uh, for, for giving us a call. Uh, always appreciate it. You're in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.